0: to Matthew chapter 6. We're still in the teachings and commands of Christ. Jesus had a lot to say about a lot of stuff. And, uh, and so we want to learn more about Jesus. We want to know what he's telling us to do. Um, last week preached on forgiveness. And like I was just praying, we need forgiveness all the time. You know, it can't just be one sermon. And then you got, I, almost, I was almost tempted to just keep preaching on forgiveness. I think I could probably preach like a whole year on forgiveness, if it, and, and we'd still need to hear it more to realize we need to forgive. Sometimes people be like, yeah, I did that, Pastor, I forgave that person, but then they go out and act angrily, or, or, or they hold bitterness towards someone, and you're like, really? Really? Like, listen, I know I said some things to my wife this morning, about, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I need forgiveness, and I need to continually go back there. And you know what keeps us from going back there to that place of forgiveness? Pride. I think there's that little lie in the back of our mind that says, "Oh, that's just a, that's just a little thing. You don't have to ask for forgiveness, or you don't have to. They, you can get over the way they hurt you. You don't have to forgive them. It goes both ways, right? Either if you've hurt someone or if they've hurt you. Sometimes we just dismiss it. Oh, okay. Well, it's not important. No, 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 no. Those little things fester, and they. Turn into bigger things, and so we need to continually forgive. We need to continually forgive. We need to continually follow Jesus. We need to continually ask for His wisdom. I, you know, like I said, I mess up on a regular basis, and I, you know, I use a situation with Amy Beth and I, uh, where I say something or or act in a certain way where it's not it's not helpful. It's not con, it's not conducive for our relationship to grow. It, it it hinders us, and I have to clarify continually, and, and, and try to fix the situation between us. This was never a part of my sermon, Amy Beth, but I felt like, man, I think it's just so important that um, we continually talk about these things. I think part of the problem is when we think we've, we've, um, we've said enough and then communication bar- barriers start to build, and we think like, oh, well, hopefully they understood what I said, and there's just like this wishful thinking that relationships will somehow go back to normal. And what really needs to happen is for more dialogue to happen. And uh, Amy Beth and I taught this a few years ago before COVID started. We gave a relationship course and a communication course. And we talked about how some people can either skunk or turtle. And it turns us away from each other. A skunk will spray their nasty stuff. Like if you had a skunk right here in front of you, Harry, and he put up his tail, you would run wouldn't want to get sprayed by all that nasty stuff i know i'd see harry run as fast as he could i know he's a slow guy now but i'm sure he'd just take off but you know that's what skunks do and so sometimes when they're in that confrontational mood that's what they do they they spray everywhere and everybody just wants to get away from that person other people turtle they put the cold shoulder out Amy beth can i share who we are yeah okay well amy beth she likes to turtle she'll hide She'll hide on me. It's like, where'd my wife go? I need to talk to her about something. Well, she's hiding from me in her shell because I just sprayed everywhere because I'm the skunk. And so you might know who you are in your relationship. And so one thing that we need to um, we need to work on is putting our tails down. So the skunks have to stop spraying everywhere. Calm yourself down. Don't be so emotional. Calm your emotions. And the turtles have to come out and be be, be willing. To take the risk of being sprayed by coming out of their shell and say, I'm ready to talk now. And sometimes in a relationship, you'll find two turtles, and they both have to come out of their shells. Sometimes in a relationship, you'll find two skunks, and they both have to put their tails down. Sometimes you have a person who's a like a chameleon, is that what it would be? Like where they can switch back and forth. They're a skunk and a turtle. They'll skunk a little bit, and then they'll run away like a turtle. You know? Uh, and so... Whatever you relate to in that, in terms of relationship, what I'm trying to say is we need to come out of our shells and forgive each other and come back to the place where we can have communication, and it's only through loving each other and trying to work through these problems will we grow together. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? You know what today I'm going to talk about? Actually, I'm going to talk about money. What does this have to do with money? I'll try to segue there. I'll try my best, because this was not intentionally a part of my sermon, but one part was is this, is that what I've realized in my life is that we hurt people that we are the closest to often. We struggle to forgive the people who we live with the most because we just assume that they should forgive us, don't we? So we keep our mouth shut and say, you got to love me anyway, so suck it up, buttercup. And that's not right, just to let you know. That's not how we should go about it. And the people we love the most, we we sometimes trust the most, and we abuse that trust by taking advantage of those people. We, Lila just said it, we take those relationships that are closest to us for granted, and those people we end up hurting the most. Today, we're going to look at treasure, not really money necessarily, but money is a part of our treasure. Um, If you want, yeah, again, we're in Matthew chapter six, and we're going to look at verses 19 to 24, but what I want you to think of when it comes to treasure, there are Three things that I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet and tell you what those three things are, but if you evaluate these three things, I'm going to say that's where your treasure is, and I want you to shift that perspective of how you use these three things onto how you treat your The people you love the most. Because the people you love the most should be your treasure. That's where I'm ultimately getting. If I'm taking you on a journey today, I want you to evaluate some things. But in in evaluating those things, you should end up with an outcome that says, where is my treasure? Are the people I love the most my treasure? All right? And we'll we'll see if we can evaluate those things. First, I want to show you in scripture how people should be your treasure, okay? How people should be your treasure. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse where Jesus is actually going to talk about uh, money. He says, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. nobody's got a yellow uh, highlighter right if you do you pass it around right now and there's one for the highlight you know or if you I see June got her pen June you know under underline that underline that underline that triple underline that uh, that's uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 for where your treasure is there your heart is will be also, what's Jesus saying, if you're going to go buy a whole bunch of clothes that can easily go old and rusty, and not rusty, your clothes will go rusty, but you know, your tools might go rusty if you buy a whole bunch of tools, that's for the men, for the women, for your clothes, where the moths can get to them, um, and they can fall apart and, and wear holes in them. If that's, those are the things you're thinking about all the time, if you're spending too much time on Amazon over the past two years during a pandemic, hello people. Jesus says that's where your heart is. So don't be looking to store those things. Verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying, you ever heard the saying, um, the light is the gateway to the soul? Eyes, sorry. The eyes are the gateway to the soul. The eyes are the gateway to the soul. So I once upon a time thought, that must be in the Bible somewhere. So, you know, use my concordance, use my reference, use Google. I can't find it. Where is it? It's got to be in here. It's not in there. But you know what is in there? This verse, which says almost the same thing. That where we put our focus, our attention, where we put our eyes, that's going to lead our heart. And if our eyes are focused on things that actually don't produce light in our life, but they only produce darkness, then we ourselves will be filled with darkness on a regular basis. I'll sing to you a, a children's uh, Christian song to, that reminds me of my childhood where we learned these lessons. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Thank you. You guys knew that one. That's great. I like when you sing along with me. It doesn't feel like I'm just being a fool. Um, but you guys get it, right? Like, those things where we fix our attention on. So it's not just the things you buy on Amazon. It's not just the, you're like, well, I put it in the cart, but I didn't buy it, Pastor. I think I saw a statistic recently where 50% of the things we put in our cart we actually buy. To me, that's actually still pretty high, you know, that we end up go ahead and, and, and make those purchases. But the, the thing is, there's a problem even putting it in your cart and not purchasing it. I mean, it's good discipline to not buy the things you don't need. Don't get me wrong. But how much more should we not be just scrolling through things and think, I need this, I need this, I need this? You know, what we're fixing our eyes on, what we're using our money for, those things that we give our attention to are steering and guiding our heart. That's what Jesus is saying. Those are the things that we are treasuring. Jesus continues in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For some people, this is their jobs. It's not the bank account, they're not staring at the bank account, but they're wondering how they can increase that bank account by going to work more. There are many fathers, and now I'm not trying to poke and prod you in the eye, I'm not trying to judge people, but you judge yourself. And there are many fathers who will uh, choose to not spend as much time with their kids because they think they need to provide way more stuff for their kids than their kids actually even need. You get what I'm saying? Am I preaching to the choir here? You guys know what I'm talking about. And then like, there's a little bit of like, okay, I got to reevaluate some of this stuff in my life. Maybe your job becomes an idol. Again, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So what does that mean for us? Um, Jesus says, again, I want to go back to verse um, 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in... Where? Treasures in? Come on, church, wake up! About have to slam my pulpit. Treasures where? There we go. We're supposed to store our treasures in heaven. Here, let's look at one of everybody's favorite v- verses. If it's not your favorite verses, make it one of your favorite verses. Because it can become an important part of your life when you recognize your need for this. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 8 to 10 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Okay, so what is that verse saying? Hey, listen, people, you don't earn your salvation. We don't do good so that you can get saved. You're saved because God loves you. You're saved because he died on the cross for your sins through his work. That's the message of the gospel, is that he did everything. You don't have to do a thing. But guess what? He still wants you to do stuff because now you get in your ticket to get in is there. But what waits on the other side? Verse 10 says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're not saved by our works, but we're saved so we can do good. And eventually, God, who has prepared these works for us to do, those works result in treasure. Now, I think a lot of people get this confused because there is a verse where Jesus says that, that He's going on to prepare a place for us. And that that word place for us can also be translated in mansions, for in my father's place, there my, my father's house there's many rooms. That word rooms can also be translated as ma- mansions. You've seen that before, right? And so we think our treasure in heaven is, we get there and we're going to just live in mansions in luxury, right? You ever had that thought? I've had that thought. Come on, I'm not the only one. Okay, listen, I'm going to show you in Scripture that what your treasure is, what did I say at the beginning? When I was talking about my need to forgive my wife and for her to forgive me, it's our relationships. Those are our treasures. And I believe the Scripture points that out to us. Before I go there, I'm going to read one more uh, Scripture. I think that uh, refers to the work that we have to do. Um, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 23 to 25. Says this. Since. Oh, whatever you do. Work at it with all of your heart. As working for the Lord. Not for men. So if you're going to do good works. Don't do it for a larger bank account for yourself. Don't do it just so that you can you know, uh, pat yourself on the shoulder and have your own pride, or even if you're using the excuse of taking care of your family, do it for the Lord. Since, verse 24 says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Everyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. There is no favoritism. So God is watching what we're doing here on earth. He's paying attention to you. He's seeing how you're, 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 you're behaving in this life. Every job that you do, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a grandmother or you go and you work at, at a job in, in, in and have a career in the workplace. It doesn't matter what you do. God is paying attention. And the uh, writer of Colossians is telling you, whatever you do, don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for your bank account. Do it for him. Because he will repay you for what you do. Right for right and wrong for wrong. And if you do, you will earn a reward. What's that reward? First Peter. First Peter five. Flipping a lot of verses here. First Peter five. Verses one to four. To the elders I appeal, you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and the one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of your flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those you entrusted, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive... a the crown of glory that will never fade away. So he's telling us, hey, listen, whatever your domain is, here he's talking to overseers of the church, so that uh, that's me, I'm a leader in the church, but I'm telling you, you each have your own flock, your own household, your own kingdom, your own dominion. That's your—that's the things that God has entrusted with you. For some of you, you wish your kingdom would shrink a little and your adult children would get out, right? Amen? Hello, amen? Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I know who you are. Uh, for others, he, he, he's still entrusting you with those responsibilities. Those people who you are overseeing, you're watching over them. That was, that's what overseeing means. You're watching over these people. They're the ones God has entrusted to you, and so take care of them. Because if you do, when the chief shepherd appears, again, he's using an illustration. Why do you call me pastor? You guys figure this out? Hopefully you know this. The word pastor comes from the word shepherd. You know, to a pastor, a pasture of sheep, a shepherd. You, in the biblical sense, are my flock. And I oversee this church. It's a responsibility that God has called me to do. And like I said, that doesn't leave you off the hook. You have your own place that you shepherd, your home, your workplace, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your neighborhood. You know, we all, even though this is North Grenville Community Church, I know we all don't just live in North Grenville, we're from all over, and you are planted where God has planted you for a purpose to shepherd that area, but when you do, when the chief shepherd appears, who's the chief shepherd? That's Jesus. When Jesus comes, you will receive a cl- crown of glory that will never fade away. So here's the thing, when we get to heaven, are we just going to have a treasure box? We're going to have like a, like I'm going to make my uh, niece next week, she's coming up here for our Christmas celebration. I'm going to make her a treasure box for her toys to put it in. That's my, I'm, she's on my list of people to get gifts for, and I want to build her a treasure box. Do you think when we get to heaven, we're going to get the same thing? A treasure box? A bo- like cha- Captain Jack Sparrow, we open the chest and there's some gold. Do you think that's what heaven's like? No, that's not what it's like. Do you think we're going to literally put on crowns? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll look cool. that wear a crown in heaven. Ha ha. You know, uh, Captain Crunch. No, no, he, he doesn't wear Who wears a crown? I don't know. You know. I don't, want, I don't need to wear a hat in heaven. This is not the point. But in that ancient time, the, the crown was, a, was a, a, a symbol of authority and significance. Right? It was a sign of your responsibility, your nobility, the work that you put in in serving the people around you. A good king, when he's wearing the crown, gets respected for wearing that crown. A bad king, now, yeah, they rebel against him and fight but when we die, we're going to go to heaven. What is our crown? Philippians 4, one. I want you to read Philippians 4, one. Philippians 4.1 says this. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What's Paul saying here to the church of Philippians? He's talking to them and he's calling them my joy and my crown. So here's my theory. You can argue with me if you want. But what I'm making the connection here is Paul in one one letter to one church is saying, hey, when you die and you go to heaven and you get your treasures in heaven, you're going to receive a crown for taking care of the things you took care of. And then in another letter, he says, you are my crown. I'm going to tell you this. I don't think heaven's going to be a lonely place. I think that's hell. If you're eternally lonely, that will be hell. A place that Jesus describes as um, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Other darkness, darkness. If you've ever been in a place of darkness in your life, you can feel pretty lonely, can you not? Yeah? But when there's light, you feel surrounded by the people you love the most. And here Paul calls the people his crown. So what I my theory is this, is that when we die, we go to heaven, and we get our reward, we get our treasure in heaven, we get our crown. I'm going to be looking at, hopefully, my wife. And say, I was a good husband to you, and now we get to spend eternity knowing that our relationships are good. We both made it serving each other. And not only that, we had five kids. Crazy enough. We're going to look back in all of eternity and think, we were crazy. Because everybody tells us that already. But we love it because we're serving our family. That's my first pasture. That's my first flock, right? Like, no offense to all of you. I know I'm your pastor. I get paid to lead and oversee this church. But that's, the Bible says, first, my first priority is my home. That's going to be the first thing that I'm going to be thankful for in heaven. Hopefully the Lord rewards me with the fact that my five kids make it as well. You know, and for some of you, you're waiting for your kids to get in as well. And you want to see your kids come back to the Lord. Keep praying. Keep persevering. Pasture your flock. Love them. Treat them well. Shine the light into their life. But then your kingdom doesn't just stop there. For like, for me, God's entrusted me with this church. I hope to see every one of you in heaven. I hope that you will be a part of my crown. If there's a little crown, I hope there's a gem in every place that says, hey, there's one for Sherry. There's one for Harry. I can't rhyme with Sherry and Harry anymore, so I'm going to stop there. But, you know, like, there'll be a crown there for everyone who's a part of my relationship, who I got to be a part of their church family. And it's not just for pastors, it's for everyone. That when we spend eternity together in heaven, we're going to be thankful that this is our treasure, our relationship. This is what I truly believe. first um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 says this for what is our hope, our joy, or the or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord when he comes? Guess what he says next? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. This isn't just pastor's theory. This is scripture. First Thessalonians 2.19 says you are the crown. You are the glory. You are the treasure. And so when you guys look back at me, I hope you say, hey, I hope Pastor Thomas is a part of my treasure in heaven. Getting to know him more throughout all of eternity. And vice versa, and all the relationships that you build, this is why relationships are so important. This is why I started my sermon saying, why are we hurting the people we love the most? Why do we take, as Lila said in my ear, why do we take those relationships for granted? They are our crown and our joy. They are our treasures in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, if you want to go back there, when Jesus is talking about these riches and all these other stuff, he he. Before this, he says um, in verse two to seven, he says several times um, when you uh, do certain things, like when you give your money or when you pray, he says, uh, like you can see in verse um, two, he says, I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. And he's talking to the people who are getting up and either praying or giving so that everybody can witness them. And so one way you can evaluate yourself and where your treasure are is are you giving or are you praying just for your own benefit or are you praying and giving for the benefit of others? Because if you're just doing for yourself, that's your reward. You've already received it. Well done. You got what you asked for. People think you're great because you can get up and do things in front of them. But if you want a true reward, you do what's in secret. And and what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 to 7, it says, And and your heavenly Father will reward you for what you do in secret. Your motivation is to bless the people you love. One day all these things will will be revealed. One day in heaven when we see eternity, we're going to see the impact that we made through the things that we did. But nobody else saw them. You ever do something and you're like, man, nobody even saw that. Listen, who cares? Jesus saw it, and he will reward you. Okay, so that's the scripture I wanted to show you that connected the dots between your treasure being people. Okay? Treasure is not money. Although people can make money their treasure. And how you spend your money, now I'm going to talk about three different things that how you can evaluate your treasure. One is how do you spend your money? I believe, now I'm not going to do this, I believe if I looked at your bank account and I saw what your stuff is going to, and listen, we are just as guilty, aren't we? But we buy stuff and we're like, oh man, maybe we shouldn't have bought that. That was just for us. That was only for our own pleasure. That was a little selfish and greedy, the fact that we bought that. And I don't even know where some of that money came from and where it's going and we shouldn't have done that. Ever have buyer's remorse? sure y'all have. I told I told someone when they came in, uh, that we're, you know, we need to be here. You know, like uh, the, the, the saying is the church is the hospital for sinners. We're all guilty of stuff like this, aren't we? But as, as I'm preaching to you, I'm also preaching to myself. Where do you spend your money? Evaluate your bank account. Evaluate how you're spending your stuff. It's not to say you can't buy stuff. I'm not saying don't buy stuff. But are you doing it just for your own gratification, or are you doing it to be a blessing to others—your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your community? Okay, that's number one. Money—that's kind of obvious that you can do that. Kind of like the world even knows that if you spend where you spend your money are on things that you value most. The next one is a little bit less obvious, and 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 you can do a check on this too by having keeping a schedule. Where do you spend your time? What are the things that you prioritize when you're thinking about, okay, well Monday I'm doing this, Tuesday I'm doing this, Wednesday I'm doing this? Or for some of you who have a nine to five job, you know Monday through Friday you're doing this certain thing. What do I what am I the first thing I'm doing with my time when I get home? What is the first thing I go to when I get up in the morning? Am I serving my family or am I serving myself? How am I spending my time? So that's number two. The third one doesn't often get talked about. Because you've heard the, the first two, right? Like how you spend your time and how you spend your energy. I mean, your... I just blew it. That's the third one. The energy is the third one. How you spend your time, how you spend your money. Those two are obvious. But what you do with your energy. Because the reality is this. Not every amount of time in your life is equal. Alright? Like some of us are morning people. People. And we get up, and we're we're perky in the morning, and, and, and things start to work in the morning, and I'm ready to go, and I, and I get most things done before, say, 3 p.m. And then 3 p.m. hits, and boom, I get hit with this lack of energy. And some of you are this, the complete opposite. It's like you wake up in the morning, you're like, duh, 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 but then by time, it turn, you know, it's the evening, and you turn on the lights, and you're like, party! And the party doesn't stop till two in the morning, and you're finally like, oh, maybe I should go to sleep now. It'd probably be a smart thing to go to sleep. Listen, you can, you can set your clock to however you want. Like, we just had the daylight saving times thing go. For some of you, it doesn't matter. Set it an hour ahead, an hour early. You know when you have energy and when you don't. But I would say energy is more than just physical energy. I'm learning more that I want longevity in my energy. I don't want to just peter out into my 30s and 40s and then eventually, by the time I'm 50, I've got nothing left to give. I want to, uh, this is why I mentioned to you guys before, I'm going to the gym. I want to take care of my body well so that when I'm, uh, you know, there's a guy I play hockey with. He's in his 60s and he flies up and down the ice faster than some of the guys who are in their 30s. And so my goal is to be like that. Why? Because I think that if I have energy at the end of life, it doesn't matter how much time I have. It's the quality of that time. You've heard that, quality over quantity. So we have to manage our energy well in order to produce over a long period of time. And that's, I think there's wisdom in that. But here's the thing. There are things that suck the energy out of you. How, how, how's your diet? How's your energy expenditure when it comes to exercise? Where's your focus? Are you, how much time are you spending staring at a screen? How much are you spending your energy on actually building relationships or are you just spending your energy uh, on your own, doing the things you want to do? If you start evaluating those things and if you start recognizing it's all about you, maybe you need to recognize that you're not actually storing treasures up in heaven when you evaluate your energy. Often, here, I'll tell you a tip as a pastor. Often I... Have thought that people will drain my energy, and sometimes they do. I'll be honest; sometimes they do. But what I've learned is that if I do as the Scripture told us to do, and when um, the Lord tells us to do everything we do unto the Lord, that when I spend time with people, I actually regain energy. The Lord puts energy back into me as I spend time with people. I, it's, it's like it's like this, Linda. You know, you you meet with me for prayer every week. I'll go to a prayer meet, I'll be like, oh. I don't know if I have the energy to go to this prayer meeting. You, you've been there. I've been there. Do I have the energy to go to this prayer meeting? And then by the time at the end, I can't stop talking. I, I've had such a wonderful time. And I'm like, I'm so glad I went to that. Now I'm filled with energy. But are we spending that with people? Or are we spending all of our energy on ourselves? You know, one of the illustrations I wanted to do, I was going to pull my phone out of my pocket and snap it in front of you. Like, to break it. I had an old one in my office I was going to do with you and just shock you, and you'd think I broke my phone, I use. Uh, But it was really an old one that nobody ever uses. I forgot to put it in my pocket. So imagine me snapping it, and what message would that send? Guess what? We spend way too much time, way too much of our energy on these stupid things. How many uh, years ago did we not have these? You know, when I was dating, Amy Beth was like... uh, 17 years ago, she was in Bible college, I was in Bible college, and, uh, you know, my phone looked like it was this skinny thing, this weird skinny thing that only had a black light up thing, that when I pushed the button, it made a real loud noise on this, and there was no real digital screen, uh, you know, and I, I hated that phone because it had the worst ringers in the world, and I used it as an alarm at some points when I had to go and plow snow, this is an aside that you guys don't care about, but I'm telling you anyways. And, and, uh, and I had to keep changing the ringer because I'd have to wake up at 2 a.m. to go plow snow. And I just kept hating the ringer, so I'd change it. And it didn't matter if I changed the ringer. It wasn't the ringer that I hated. It, it was waking up in the middle of the night. Anyways, ever since then, these, this technology has gotten better and better and better and better. And you know what it keeps doing? Sucking our focus. Sucking our time. Sucking our energy. We spend way too much here, you know. You know, this is a blessing and a curse. You know how it's a blessing? I can text each and every one of you right now. I can just send, hey, how you doing? Text, text, text. I love you. Heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. That's a blessing, right? Like that we can connect in that way so quickly. But you know what I've noticed over the years of being a pastor and having these devices? I just sat down with you and had a coffee with him, and people are like, I don't drink coffee. Okay, well, uh, you have a tea, or you have some water, I'll drink the coffee, all right? Right, Susie? We'll drink the coffee. But we'll sit down with you, and staring you in the eyes, and listening to your your, your, your your vocal cords and your lips move, if you can take off your mask. That's why we go to coffee shops, you know, take off your mask when you're drinking something, right? So then, we can enjoy each other. That is so much more valuable than putting my energy into a device. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? Where are you spending your energy? If you really take time, and I challenge you, and I'm going to try to do this this week. Take a time in solitude with the Lord and ask the Lord, how am I doing in these three areas? And if you recognize you're spending most of it either on yourself or on useless games or toys or stupid stuff, you're not investing in the kingdom of God. You're not storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus' teachings, which we're going through, is meant to exactly point that to that area of your life, your heart, Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. When you evaluate these things, you're going to see where your heart really lies. And some of us haven't guarded our hearts from our phones, haven't guarded our hearts from the internet, haven't guarded our eyes, oh, be careful, little eyes, from the things that are garbage in the world. And we watch too much nightly news, and we take in too much social media, and by the end of it, we have no time, no energy, no money for the things that God treasures the most. And his heart is broken, and my heart is broken, too, because then relationships fail. You wonder why your relationships suck with people? Listen, I'm convicted here myself. It's not just you who have crappy relationships with people. It's when we put our time, our energy, and our money in the wrong places instead of the things that God values most, which are people. People. He loves people. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. the only solution is that we start making people our priority. The only way that that can actually happen is that God gives us a heart for people. The next few weeks, my sermons will be about this. How we can love one another. Jesus' teachings on loving each other. But I think we need to ask the Lord right now in prayer that he would give us a love for people and not a love for ourselves. Father, I I pray right now that you would bring a conviction on us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to evaluate where we're spending our money, our time, and our energy. And help us to realize that we need to be putting our time, our uh, money, and our energy on people. Especially those people who you've entrusted with us in our own homes, our family members, our loved ones. But also, Lord, help us not stop there. Help us love our church well. Help us love each and every one of us in this room or the people who are watching online. Help us love each other well. And Lord, help us not stop there, but help us go into the community. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to do the things that you want us to do, to make people our priority, to store up treasures by investing in people pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're someone who um, has a pension plan or invests in RRSPs or other different investment plans, listen, the kingdom of heaven investment plan is in people. Now, I was going to tell you about our church. Our church, uh, this week, we met with our leadership. We met with the leaders, the, uh, the, the board, some ministry leaders, and the, and the staff met together, and we said, God, what do you want us to do? And I told you there's three things that came out of it. One was the need to love each other. That was the strongest one. We need to love each other well. The second was we need to pray for each other. If we're going to love each other and the stupid COVID separates us so much, we can at least pray for each other. Prayer covers a distance. We need to pray hard. And we not, we not only need to love each other. We need to love the last thing. The, la- the third one was community. Now, there's community within this room, but there's also the greater community. And we need to love our community, and we need to pray for our community, and we need to build our community. So love, prayer, community. Those were the three things that I got the most out of, and I think if we look at the list, Susie, and evaluate the things that came out of those meetings, I think those are the things that we're going to say, these need to be our core identity. Yes, our motto is to live and love like Jesus, but our core identity is people, prayer, and and love. Loving people in the community, loving them through prayer. So those are the things that your leaders heard from god on and you might say well that sounds very fluffy it is but we think along the way god is going to show us specifically he's going to specifically show us how to love our community how to pray for our community and so i pray that you would pray into that and join us as we learn to do those things together we're going to sing i've talked lots